Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I am Nate Jones. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. Yeah, we're here to help. We're here to answer questions about closure and functional programming. So what's on your mind? Are you feeling stuck? Do you have a library or a concept that you wish you could understand? Um, shoot us a question. Are you new to closure? Is there something you're curious about? Um, perhaps something, something you'd like to hear us weigh in on. Yeah, so if that sounds familiar to you, if you feel like you're in that place, send us a tweet at Closure Design, or send us an email at feedback at closuredesign.club, or for the more interactive experience, hop into the Closure Design dash podcast channel on the Closurian Slack and ask <laughs> us a question there. We've been having a lot of good discussion in there um, over the last couple of months. We've had that channel. We'd love to have you join us there, too. Yeah. Uh, although I can't guarantee we're going to give you a immediate response, but we, 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 do, we, do, we do listen in. Um, it is called Slack, after all, right? <laughs> they, it's more like the tortoise than the hare. <laughs> Absolutely. But you win, right? You win with the right throughput. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Well then, I think we should uh, get to our question for the week. Um, I think this is something that a lot of people that use Clojure and use it use it well um, have experienced. Uh, I know I've experienced it a lot where I say that I use REPL-driven development. And uh, when I tell a, a Python or a Ruby or a Node programmer that, they go, well, I've got a REPL in my language. So the question is, what is so different about Clojure's REPL? What, 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 what sets it apart? Is it really that different than other languages? And, uh, well, I have to say the answer is yes. Um, so that's all the time we have for today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. End of episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I usually don't come back with that answer, though. Um, that's a little too short. Um, but but I, I think, for me, the REPL breaks down into two kind of different things, or at least two different things. Um, one is like an experience. You know, it's a, it's, it's what it's like to be a developer with a REPL. And the other one's a toolkit. So, you know, the, the actual like behind the scenes, what's actually happening, uh, the mechanics of that. And I think for me, the, 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 the bigger impact to me is the experience. So what is my experience with closure REPL as opposed to the, um, you know, other REPLs. And, um, and right. Because yeah, we could go into all of the mechanics of how the REPL works and, and why it can work that way and so on and so forth. But I think the, the REPL has certain properties, like the closure REPL has certain properties that we'll kind of touch on yeah. as, we, as we talk about this that, that matter. But you don't need to know all of the ins and outs of how, like the the magic that makes the REPL happen, right? It's like the experience <laughs> of using the REPL and the net effect of of the REPL in your life is is really is really what matters. Yes, the net positive effect. And so I think to compare and contrast that with, you know, for instance, I, I, I like my previous uh, language was was Python, and um, and for years I've used Python as my go to command line calculator. Um, I just hit Python, and then it gives me a prompt, a REPL, and I can just type, you know, 
in my addition or subtraction or multiplication or you know, any more complex math that I need to do, usually in terms of gigabytes or something. And, uh, and it gives me the answer. So it's, 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 a, it's a very good experience for replacing um, you know, the Windows calculator, so to speak. Yeah, and I think that a lot of a lot of REPL, like if I reflect back on my own, let me just say this: if I reflect back on my own experience, like REPL interaction for me in in other languages prior to coming to Lisp, because really it's not closure per se, but it's Lisp and closure because it's a Lisp, right? And so prior to coming to Lisp, REPL experience for me was really more about like running expressions. Uh, I, I would you compiling your program and and then like trying to run different expressions or maybe call a couple of functions, um, you know maybe do a little bit of inspection, uh, just not very just not very deep, you know. Right. Um, and then and then closure is really different than those kind of REPLs. For me, kind of the metaphor here is is you you had these things in the past called carriages and they were pulled by horses or other animals right and so okay. somebody invented this thing called a horseless carriage and so you would imagine that the horseless carriage would just be it's like a carriage without a horse right so you're just going to use it in all the same ways right and so i think somebody who uh who was around at the time of the horseless carriage invention would uh, look at my air-conditioned SUV, you know, hybrid that gets, you know, gazillion miles a gallon or whatever, and they, they would they wouldn't even know what they're looking at, right? <laughs> like because this thing called a car, <laughs> which I could call it a horseless carriage, but it, it's totally different, right? It's like it's a paradigm shift where. You're trying to imagine stepping back at the invention of the horseless carriage and conceiving of a car, right? You, you, you can't really do that. You just sort of, you sort of have to like get teleported to the future and experience it. And then, and then you can kind of see how you went from the horseless carriage to the car, right? And so like the Absolutely. Lisp rebel is kind of like that versus the other rebels, right? Yeah, totally. I feel like it's like a, it's, it's, it's a great metaphor because if you were to, you know, both of those are cars or horseless carriages you know they, they both fit that description in some way but but it's almost like you're using the word wrong when when you're talking about you know the the modern car versus the old car you know the the well the classic car the the ancient car whatever you want to call it um and uh and and so it's like when someone else hears oh well, i've got a car too well i've i have a i have a, I have a conveyance that does not require a horse also um, it must yes. be the same as yours, and 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 in reality, it, the, the experience is so much different. Um, in 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 a way that even a modern car is it's hard to express. Um, I, I I think for me, it's 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 how it's how close in proximity the REPL is to a running program. Um, you know, in 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 my when I was running my Python REPL, I'd have my Python program running, you know, usually in some process behind Apache or something. And then I'd have my REPL running and they were, they were, they were never the twain shall meet. You know, they were, they were completely separate. Anything I typed into the REPL would not be reflected in my running program and vice versa. But with closure, almost every time you run a REPL, it's connected at the hip. It's, it's like a window into a running program. So everything you're running in that REPL 
is is within the context of that larger running application. And so I think that really changes your your experience or the possibility experience. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like it's like the Lisp REPL, the closure REPL, right? It, it has right. sort of this broader definition, right? So so everybody's kind of familiar with this idea that you have a REPL, it can parse expressions, right? Kind of compile expressions and it can run them. And it's like, okay, the, the closure REPL can parse and evaluate expressions also. Right. But the closure REPL is running inside of the running program, right? Like like the program is running and the REPL is there. And so so now it's like, oh, well, the closure REPL is sort of like your window into the state of a running application because it's it's actually backwards. Like you don't, you know, you're not running your program and it kicks off the REPL. Like you kick off the REPL and then you run your program and then that <laughs> program state it, it, and the right. REPL, it's all sharing the same memory. And so you can just go over and expect, inspect it. And then it gets even more interesting because then you, you have this little conduit between your editor and the REPL. Right. So now your editor gets all the superpowers into the running state uh, of the program and and be the ability to introspect and inspect and all that. And, and you didn't even have to get like one of those high powered fancy IDEs <laughs> to get these superpowers, you know, where they have to recreate the Java compiler from scratch, you know, in order to try to get this working. Right. So the idea is you have. Yes, you have your basic parsing evaluation you know thing but but being able to that state the window into the state of the application and being able to alter that state on the fly dynamically and then being able to hook it into your editor and do have all those superpowers there too right it's it's a much larger broader kind of experience yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where it might be useful to get just a tiny bit into the, you know, REPL, the toolkit. Like, you know, when, when you launch a, a REPL, a, you know, like you said, you launch your REPL and then you start your program. Well, when you're, when you're typing into the actual REPL prompt, you're, you're, you, you type something and then the, the, that prompt sends it into the closure process and then it gets evaluated and then you get the result back. I mean, that's the whole, that's the acronym right there, right? Redevelop print loop, right? Um, but what what the what re, what closure repls allow you to do, like what you just said it, with the editor, is it allows your editor to become a client that's the same level of of of, uh, of interaction as that repl has. So when you are in your editor and you say, "I want to evaluate this piece of code." Your editor is doing the same exact thing. Instead of being at a prompt, it's doing it over a network protocol. Um, it's sending that to the closure process. The closure process is evaluating it, and it's sending it back, and then and you're it, you're printing the output, like or you know success or whatever. And so the 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 REPL is more is farther into the process, and so that it's what allows you to have the experience of changing your program from the REPL prompt and from your editor at the same at the, the same level of power. Yeah, and so maybe another analogy for those of you who are familiar with like the web developer console in a browser, you can go to like the console tab and you're like, oh, good, I can run expressions here, right? And then it's it's looking into the state of that that web page that's open yes. right now, and and 
and you can run some expressions and you can see some stuff. And because JavaScript is mutative, you can actually run expressions that mutate in, in that current state, right? And then maybe you can go over uh, to like the debugger tab and you can try to step through some code, right? Um, and so you still have this like sense of, oh, I have this tool that can hook into the active state. But but then where it kind of starts to fall down is like in the closure REPL, we can just we can just replace functions, right? We can we can take a function definition and we can redefine like we can edit the function and we can, you know, inject that new redefined function in there. And and then in JavaScript, well that gets harder because maybe you could do that if it's global, but there isn't a module system, you know, and like the tooling starts to fall down. And then what about all these other things that have references to that? Well, Clojure has a consistent module namespace. So now when when I edit this function and I reevaluate the definition of the function, that goes into the state and it's it gets used immediately. And so you can do this really cool thing where the program is running like for example Nate you and I have written code where you know stuff is running on a timer so you have a function getting called on a timer you edit the definition for this functions getting called on a timer and right. then boom right you reevaluate the definition and wow now all of a sudden you see this new code like no hot reload necessary right <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah I think uh, I think it's it's really the the, the the fundamental evaluation model of, that Clojure uses um, really lends itself well towards mutable programs. <laughs> it's funny to have mutable programs right. but immutable data, but that's exactly what Clojure gives you, is that the ability to change any part of your, your program, uh, but, but your data is the same. Yeah, and part of this really comes back to the Lisp model and, and, the, and the functional programming model, right? We're, we're all about keeping data and behavior separate. And so classes like to mix that up, right? And so by keeping data and behavior separate, when, when you want to replace behavior on the fly, well, it's just a function. You're just replacing the function, right? So you're just replacing the behavior on the fly. With classes and stuff like hot reload, then, then you get into kind of this tricky thing because like, are you just replacing one method? Like, like, how does the injection actually happen under the hood? You know, with with uh, Java and so on and so forth, and and because you have your data and behavior mixed together. Same same thing goes for the the data. So so like uh, Nate, you and I use component a lot to kind of help us manage our our overall application state, and so we might have some state in an atom. And so we can kind of get a reference to the atom and we can change the state of that atom on the fly from the REPL, right? And we can see an immediate response in our program because we're doing that, because that the data is separated from the behavior. So now you can, on the fly, replace the state of your running application or the behavior of your running application just right there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, can't, I could not imagine the, uh, the, the mental or the... Uh, the, the logistical loopholes you'd have to backflips you'd have to go through in order to do th something the same thing to a Java program where you have a an object that has you know some state and some functionality you know how how do you actually update just the functionality without blowing the state away you know you you right 
I, I don't even know if that's even possible. Like I remember yeah. reading or hearing about like the Java REPL that they just recently got. And just, I don't even remember all the details, but I remember just being appalled at all the, the backflips they had to do because of the, the mismatch between Java, the programming language and mental model then, and, and, and the idea of a REPL and replacing stuff. Right, because that object that's in memory is of a particular type, uh, of a particular class type. And so if you edit that class definition and you want to kind of, if you will, install it dynamically, because let's say you edit a method and you want to make that method like get installed. Well, now that's a new type, right? Or maybe Java finally gives us methods for going and doing like an individual method replacement memory. I don't know. Right, oh, wow. but basically that's the equivalent of what closure lets you do. You can just replace just that one bit of behavior on the fly, uh, without getting bogged down by all of these, uh, you know, encapsulated state dependency things. Yeah, and it's all like what you said before. It's all because state and or uh, sorry, behavior and data are so clearly delineated in closure. It just just naturally falls out of that model. Yeah, and so I think where we, if we're going to come back to the experience, so then it's really cool, like, okay, it's cool to be able to parse expressions and evaluate them, like kind of what any REPL can do. Right. It's really cool that we have this, this model where we can dynamically mess with state and mess with behavior on the fly. And then when you connect your editor in, it's really cool because then you can just move your cursor to the function you're working on, do a key sequence... And it will evaluate, reevaluate that expression and and replace that definition right there in memory. And so, so you end up with this really fast workflow where you're in your editor, you're typing hotkey sequence to run the thing. Boom, see an outcome. Make some more changes. Hotkey sequence to run it. Boom, just write that that thing you're working with. You know, you're you're um. You're working with this nice little segmented bit of code. You're not bringing the whole universe along with it. Right. You don't have to restart your whole application. You don't have to, I mean, there, there's like a lot of levels, you know, o over my career, I have, I have tried again, you know, more and more, like there's been a lot of effort that I've made into making so that when you edit, you edit and you rerun, like whatever that means, and then contest whatever that changes. That loop has to be as fast as possible because otherwise, like, I, if it's like two minutes, then I can only make you know thirty changes an hour, you know. But if it's two seconds, I can make you know thirty times more than that, you know, or sorry, sixty times more than that. And um, and so the more changes I can make, I can make those changes smaller, and so they're much easier to understand. And closure, like accelerates that to like almost instantaneous like you just said like a, a keystroke away right and you can test it it's, am it's amazing how fast that is right so practically now now of course we discuss all this more in depth and back in episode 12 13 and 14 we have like embrace the REPL connect the REPL fiddle with the REPL that that series we'll link to it in the show notes but the idea is right there under your function definition, you can put this comment block where you can call that function with various test arguments, right? So you, you can put a couple of expressions that maybe invoke that function. And so you go and edit the definition, do your hotkey to boom, reload that function, and then go down to one of the expressions that you want to mess with and do your hotkey to run those and, and see what the outcome is. Yeah. And then maybe, uh, oh, that one looked good. Let's try the next one. Oh, that one looked good. Oh, let's try the next one. Ah, that one looked good. Oh, 
Oh, and that one blew up. Oh, let me run another expression. Try to dial in why it blew up. You know, let me copy that line. So, so now you're doing things that you're already good at, like copying lines of code and pasting and <laughs> editing, you know, coming up with different scenarios, right? Using right. your editor speed for getting that done. Hop back up to the definition, make some corrections, you know, hotkey to reload it. Hop back down to your expressions, try them out again. And it, it's kind of like test-driven development in this one little scenario where it's like, oh, you're, you're building out your tests. As things blow up, you add a little bit more tests, right? But the thing is, there's like no special magic, no special framework that you had to sort of bow down to to make yourself be able to do this. It's just one way of using the REPL, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, you're, it's not like you can only do that when you're using, you know, a particular web framework or a particular like because like or a hot model reload in JavaScript. Like if you're using that, then you can do it. But if you're not, then sorry, you know, but in Clojure, it's pervasive everywhere that you have code that is running, you can touch that code, you know, even it right. reaches even into the browser, like you can actually edit code like in your in your editor type, you know, JS slash alert and a string and you evaluate that and in your browser, it'll pop up under load up. I mean, it's like pretty magical, but it's all pretty straightforward right. if you think about the way that the evaluation model is. Yeah, just, I remember the first time I was using my connected editor with a web REPL and I was opening dialogues on uh, an iPad. <laughs> right? Oh yeah, very cool. <laughs> like that in Safari. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is happening right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, and because you can do that, right? Because the, the REPL is, is part of the overall state of the application. And, and so, but this, this idea of your, your source file like once you get it all connected, now your source file can have all these expressions. And so not only can you put example expressions and comment blocks by the function, you can, or test expressions. I know Nate and I, you've used it for kind of documenting like how to use APIs, right? Like you can make a file that that uh, has a comment block explaining with expressions. And so it's, it's almost like an interactive REPL session, but it's in a file and you can just open the file up and just with your editor, evaluate this and then evaluate that like a workbook, you know? Yeah. It's a, I like to call it a random access REPL session, you know, where yeah. you can go to different areas and you can even have little helper functions in there that aren't in your part of your production code. Like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this, you know, set of a thousand messages. Well, my production code loads that out of database and does calls an API and all that stuff. Well, how about if I just get to the point where I get those messages and I write them out to a file? Well, in my fiddle, in my fiddle I'll just have a little function that reads them from the file, reconstitutes them back to the level that I need for my function. And then I can just use that instead of having to have my whole application running like it's like a i was it's like i was I can, gonna I say cheat. we yes we call those files fiddles <laughs> oh sorry yes yes yeah we i don't it, it started because we're just fiddling with code using the connected editor right and so next thing we know yeah these like files that are use case oriented right, right? We, we call them fiddles and yeah it's just all right there at hand um and so, and then those things can get checked in kind of as interactive documentation, if you think of it that way. Yeah, we've, we've um, traded them off back and forth, 
Like there's been times where you've been like, oh, hey, I'm at, you know, I'm on my computer. Are you make your computer? Oh, use Fiddle X and it'll help you get and it. And it's been, I've been able to hop in and like basically like extract that part of your mind out and it's in the file and I can just use it. I don't have to like relearn all that stuff. Right. And so we've also written helper functions that, that reverse the state of the running application. So, so imagine like you're there testing out your code and, and your application is in a state. And so you now go run the helper and you, you, re, you revert the state of your application to a previous point in time there, like your dynamic, like running code. And then you go rerun the, pro, the, the functions you were just working on. And, and see if they advance the state of the application properly. And it's like, oh, no, got an exception again. Oh, okay, went off the rails. Let's let's reset the atom back to what it was before. You know, <laughs> let's go fix a function. Let's try again, right? So so that idea of being able to just, the, like, put a bookmark it, like, like you, you, you're running a REPL expression to assign the current state to a, 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 a def, like you're defing, you know, the current state. So you're like putting a bookmark on the current state. Then you go and try something interactively. Oh, it explodes on you. No problem. You just reset back to that state. Go try to fix your code. So you can put a bookmark anywhere in the state of your code as a developer and work on a little piece of it and then go back to it as needed, right? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think it really comes down to the fact that the REPL and your running program are one and the same. The REPL is not some, you know, third-party agent that's just sitting over to the side. It's, it's a, it's a right. conduit into your application. Right. So it kind of goes back to the horseless buggy. The fact that there isn't a horse is kind of like becomes one of the least interesting facts <laughs> <laughs> about the horseless buggy. Yes. Right. So the fact that this thing can read expressions and run them sort of becomes one of the least interesting facts of the REPL. The fact that it can access all the different parts of the running program dynamically and you can mess with them and examine them and change them. And then you can hook up all this power to your editor and you can just do it seamlessly and interactively as, as you work on things. That's, that's, that's the interesting part, you know, running expressions and seeing results is like, Oh, that's well, yeah, that's like baby steps. You know, let's, let's get into the good stuff. (laughs) Yes. Let's get the good stuff. So if you have something you would like to say about why you love the Closure REPL, or if you feel like we missed something in this discussion of the Closure REPL, a, a key aspect of what makes a Closure REPL special or different or unique, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Yes, if there's any special forms that the REPL takes on to you, um, I want you, we want you to, to let us know. Uh, oh, I see what you did there. Special yeah. forms. <laughs> uh, so, but and also, if you have any other questions, um, something you're curious about, or maybe you're having a problem, uh, let us know. Um, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Closure Design uh, or email at feedback at closuredesign.club or our favorite place, which is the Closure Design podcast channel on Closure and Slack. Hop in, ask us a question. Um, Talk about, see, see the other people that are there. There's there's actually a little group of people, you know, that you can get to know your your fellow listeners. Um, yeah, let reach out. Yeah, it's a great place to just uh, congregate and chat about the topics that we have brought up on the podcast. And you can also find our show notes and past episodes on the web at closuredesign.club. 
that would be the place to go to see the notes for this episode, which will link back to the other REPL episodes that we've done that really kind of treat this subject in more depth than just this quick QA episode does. Yes, if you if you go and read those, um, then you can loop back uh, to this episode at another time. Uh, all right, well then, I think that's enough for this question. Uh, next week, we'll be back to answer another one. Thanks for listening. Thank you.